Welcome to Talk 30 to Me, a show where we talk about the perspective of 30-somethings on life. My kid is an asshole. Love. Did I tell you about the girl? twice in a week. And the never-ending pursuit of fulfillment. My name is Anthony, but most people just call me Turd. And I'm Randy Z. Let's start the show. Mr. Hollywood. Why do you say that? Because you keep your phone on for whatever reason. No, I don't. It's gone off like 10 times in the last like 10 minutes. And that I thought, was the first call I got. Well, before the call, then a couple of email messages. And I was like, okay, I thought that would cue you. Like, oh, let me put my phone on silent. And you never put your phone on silent. And you kept telling me, well, let's start. Let's start. Anything, hey, go inside. Let's start. Do, 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 do. Let's start. Okay. I had no emails. What are you talking about? There are no notifications on my phone. Oh, yeah, because you already checked them. You're lying. You already checked them. No proof, no evidence. The police be scanning my phone. I'm not texting. I'm looking at porn. <laughs> Calm down, Ted Cruz. <laughs> That's funny. One of my uh, one of my employees got pulled over the other day. It was uh, two weeks ago. Not the other day. Two weeks ago, we were having bre- a farewell breakfast for one of my uh, team members. He was leaving, uh, being deployed overseas. Oh, okay, four hundred days, and uh, he gets pulled over. And this Wait, guy's did you say like four hundred days or four hundred. Four hundred days. Four hundred days. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he won't be back for another year, and he's on military leave, so. Yeah. You know, we have to give him his job back, unfortunately. No, I'm joking. He's a good guy. <laughs> what a dick. And uh, one of my, my teammates uh, drives in, and he's like, oh, we're razzing him about being super late. I was like, well, are you driving the speed limit, old man? He's uh, he's uh, like 50, in his 50s. And uh, I love this guy. He's super, super cool. Yeah, we poke fun at each other all the time. And um, he's like, no, I got pulled over. I was like, what? <laughs> Everyone's like, what? No way. It's like, yeah, I had my phone out. I was looking uh, at the map for directions of how to get here. And the cop pulls me over. Didn't give me a ticket, though. I was like, oh, that's good. But he did check my phone to see if I had sent a message, uh, you know, in the past, like, you know, two, three, five minutes, something like that. He gave some indiscriminate time, I know. And I was like, oh, man, that, that's fucked up. Like, you didn't have to give him your phone. He's like, well, I had nothing to hide. I, was, I told him I was looking for the map. I was kind of like turned around. I'm not from around here. And that got me thinking. I was like, hmm. So you could be fucking with your phone and not send a message because they can't really trace data, you know, like when, when you're downloading shit and all that. You could probably like browse all that. I was like, low key, you could look up porn in your car and be surfing like, what's that? <laughs> My car drives itself. My car drives itself. Wait, what? <laughs> right? It does. Uh, yeah. It drives itself. So okay. I could like, mm. Yeah, traffic sucks, but this is nice, right? <laughs> wow. JK, I don't look at porn. I'm a good husband. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, was gonna say, I thought that story was going to go completely different direction. What direction? Oh, okay. I mean, like, I got pulled over. Uh, last time we were recording on my way home, I got pulled over. I told you this, right? Yeah. You got harassed? A little bit. You know, they made me roll down on my windows, put my arms outside the car. And then we do the, the alcohol test and ask where I was going, where I'm from. And where you been. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I think they were, they were just fishing for a... Uh, Where'd you get pulled over? Uh, on a back road because I was going through some detour because there was construction on the 605. So I was off a of peck, I think. And then I went through some neighborhood ah. and then coming back around to get back on the freeway. They lit me up saying I ran a stop sign. I was like, it was a stop light and I just had a yield and I did... But it doesn't matter. It was, but, you know, I thought it was weird that CHP pulled me over on a side street. They can. I know. I, I learned Especially that. Especially on a detour. On a freeway detour. Yeah, that's their 
jurisdiction, uh, apparently. Any anywhere I think within um, five miles of a freeway, or there is some. I don't know. It, it's uh, so I talked to my cousin. That's a, a sheriff, and he said that technically there is no jurisdiction. Yeah. Jurisdiction doesn't exist. Yeah. But you know, other people were saying that highway patrol is basically our state trooper, and they can pull us over at any. Any yeah, place in, in California within we're, we're within reasonable range of a highway, though. I mean, they can't just fucking pull you over on a road. They won't. You know, it's not yeah. their stomping ground. Like sheriff, you see a sheriff on the freeway, and everyone slows down. I'll sit by that guy doing ninety. He he's not going to do anything, right? Unless I'm driving recklessly or endangering people's lives, right? He doesn't give a fuck. He's not going to pull me over because chippies are going to come by and they're going to be like, "What the fuck?" Right? You know, CHP's not going to pull you over in uh, L.A. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're just not. Yeah. LAPD is going to do that. So there's certain like respect boundaries, I guess. Don't yeah. fuck on my, don't fuck with my territory kind of thing, <laughs> like drug dealers. <laughs> so what I'm trying to parallel is cops are really just organized drug dealers. <laughs> <laughs> well, they do. Way more organized. They do uh, technically they're drug mules too, right? Because they store yep. it, they house it, they mm-hmm. transport it, but they don't sell it. They can't. Mm-hmm. So they give it to someone else to sell. Mm-hmm. Oh, we had a raid in our uh, evidence locker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what happened there i don't know sergeant so that's definitely not the story i thought we were leading off you just told me right now oh let me tell you this hamilton story i was like okay cool and then you go into this yeah well <laughs> i guess we'll talk about hamilton some yeah. other day yeah that's totally fine if you ever know, nothing goes according to plan anyway so <laughs> And speaking of nothing going according to plan, that face, man. I got kind of hard right there. <laughs> How do you follow a Turk boner? You can't. <laughs> you can't. Just killed it. Didn't kill my boner. No, I was going to add. I had to get clarification. I had to get clarification. But, you know, speaking of nothing goes according to plan, I was when I was editing our, our episode on the... Uh, Mid-year? Yeah, so when I was editing our our mid-year review episode, I was starting to really reflect and, and think about a lot of the things that I said I wanted to do as goals and then thinking about the things that I'd set as goals for myself at a younger age, I, you know, kind of comparing the two and leave it to my, you know, 10-year-old self to stay on par with what I thought I was going to be doing or even in high school when I thought I was going to be going to medical school. You know, nothing is going according to plan. Nothing is what I thought it would be or what I thought it would look like. And, you know, I was sitting there and I was thinking about it and I was just like, I am so happy that nothing is going according to plan. Yeah, but you can talk about what your plans were at the age of 10 Mm -hmm. compared to what your plans were at the age of, say, 27. Not even say 27. Because at 18 is when typically we're supposed to have an idea of what direction we want to go into, which is a little premature. A little. Significantly. Uh, and by little, I mean a lot. But even at 22, it's very difficult to know what you want to do. And I think that's where the issue with you know, going to school is uh, the role it's supposed to play in your development, in, in, your, in your coming into adulthood. But thinking about what I know now versus what I thought I knew, and I, you know, everything not going according to plan has been to my benefit because okay. I have a stronger understanding of self and knowing that the things that I wanted to do definitely don't fit my personality type. And I don't think I would have been happy doing those things. I think I would have been happy just because I, that's my natural disposition. Yeah. But I don't think it would have been the type of fulfillment that I have now. When you're, when you're that young, when you're 18, when, when you're 10, you're not planning for this revelation to take place. But there is going to be some kind of revelation, right? They happen throughout your your twenties, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and they get more profound in your 30s because we've alluded to this several times. You start discovering a lot more about yourself and who you are, what makes you tick, what what your passion really is. And you can pick one of two junctions. The junction um, that takes you down the road of, I'm going to do this because I feel obligated to do this, might not be happy doing it, might not be my passion, but it either A, makes me a lot of money, or B, gives me an elevated social status, or C, all of the above. Then there's you know the other path, the path more traveled nowadays, I feel, by our generation, by the millennials. That is, I want to do something that em- empowers me, not only empowers me, but could essentially become uh, option A, but with a different path that might take a little bit longer or be a little bit more frustrating, be a little bit more energy intensive. And those are the kinds of things that we don't realize when we're kids. When we're kids, we're really adhering to the social stigma of this is what you have to do to grow up and become a functional member and uh, of society. So there's two things I wanted to address on oh, what you fuck, just said. Here we yeah, go. No, 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 no. Let's no, see if no, we no, get no. to. No, no. Okay, so for, funny, the first hold one. Hold on. I got to tell everyone. Chloe and Randy were over for dinner wow, a couple weeks ago. He's calling and people even out now. Chloe called out how Randy always has two things. And I don't know. Did we get to the point where you never really manifest both? <laughs> <laughs> but no. that's a very prevalent theme in his life, apparently. Oh. So two things. I always overshoot and get happy with what I get. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> uh, no. Okay. So one, one of my issues is when you, when you said that, you know, finding out what you're passionate about. And I feel like there is this huge misconception that a passion should be something you can monetize or something that you can make a career out of. Now, I think there's things that you can enjoy and then things that you can be passionate that about. That wasn't but what I meant. I know, but that's just something I wanted to kind of address as an aside. Okay. Right. That's why it's kind of like a subtext one. Sure. <laughs> But what, the other thing that you, you had mentioned, and I think, I don't remember what the number was. Do you do you remember what the statistic is for how often people change careers or change jobs? No. I, I We could look it up. I'm sure we could look it up. Let's just say seven years or 11, seven to 11 years between there. Because I know seven years is when you're supposed to buy a new house every seven Careers years. or jobs? Because jobs for our generation is becoming way not, more not frequent. For, not for our generation. And, I, and we'll in get general. into it in general. Because I think the statistic was about like every seven to 10 years, you might be either changing jobs or changing careers. Okay. It might be a similar skill set, but it might but it's a, it's a significant change. And I think that happens. And I never understood why. I thought at first it was because you become bored. But I think now it becomes more prevalent when you have a stronger understanding of self and what your fulfillment lies in and what you are seeking for to meet those those needs. Okay. And so... I I think now because our generation was kind of funneled automatically to college without the uh, knowledge base of what it should be, what you should be looking for in that experience, it's just you go to college and then you get a job, not to explore self uh, interests and uh, develop these these critical life skills that don't necessarily mean you're going to go just because you're an engineer doesn't mean well okay engineering is bad just because you're a sociology major doesn't mean you're going to become a sociologist. And he pointed to himself. And here's the thing. And here's a problem with that. The problem that I've always had, and I still to this day have this problem, that how can you plan for something when the person that's helping you plan for it has no experience that could parallel anything? Are you talking about the first gen experience? The first gen experience. Everybody had that college counselor that at one point or time during your interactions with him or her, you kind of like did a what the fuck. Maybe not everybody, but looking back on it. Maybe. I might be able to agree. Can you give me a little more uh, 
context. these people were so far out of touch with what was actually going on. Now, in, this is hindsight talking. And not okay. in the moment, because in high school, obviously, we we're like, oh, these guys. Oh, are you're talking high school guys. counselors? High school and college. Oh. Even college. I don't think I had high school guidance like that. Anyway, go ahead. Go I on. did go to a private school. <clears throat> mm. <Yeah>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so getting back to, let's say, high school first, mm-hmm. my college counselor didn't know what the fuck he was talking about. Did you change your major at all, or were you engineering from the job? Engineering from the go. Okay. Almost failed out and was forced to, but I held, I held through. But in college, even then, I would ask my college counselor, well, you know what? What about this class and this class and this class? And I could take this path and all that. And he was like, sure. You know, they never really gave me guidance or structure. That's why we had a, in the department for engineering, uh, this is why we had a uh, teacher, uh, professor, as a mentor. And he would have to sign off on our course load to make sure that, yeah, it made sense. But even then, the the professors didn't even know, Mm -hmm. really. I came to find out. I had to end up sitting with a professor that did know, that was really involved in the curriculum, that was really involved in the planning, the departmental structure, and really understood what it took to graduate successfully as an engineer. And he helped me work out my course load. And to this day, I am forever grateful for him doing that. Because without that planning, without that foresight, I could not have graduated. Because I was in real fucking trouble. Mm-hmm. That was something I couldn't plan for on my own. There was no way to plan for that. Yeah. As a college kid, as a college student, you're trying to balance so much. And this is the thing that they don't understand. The social aspect of college is so vastly important to a college student's development that you can't factor in that aspect. But you you have to find a way to do it. There has right. to be some kind of variable where you throw in, okay, realistically, I know this isn't going to go according to plan, but this, these are options that you can explore. You need a college counselor, someone that's going to help you, that understands these things, that's going to help you build that structure, that foundation, so it gives you a little bit more of a realistic approach to what you're doing. We didn't have that. Mm-hmm. And still, it could be argued to this very day, there aren't people that know how to do that until our generation starts becoming a little bit more involved, I think. Well, there's there's a small little history lesson in that, and I I can mirror that experience with I changed my major five times in undergrad, and Damn. some of the advisors are actually temp workers, right? They weren't necessarily career advisors at UCR. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, sure. and it wasn't until I got to sociology until I met Terry Danda, who now I've met students that are now my my. So when I became staff, my students then had their own students that became you know my students became staff and then their students. So it's like a third generation. One of my students that anyway. He came to me, this other one is now with me at USC, and he's like, oh, I had Terry too. And I was like, yeah, that's right. Like, she's amazing. But she had been with the university for like 20-something years, 30-something, 20 years at that point. Now it'd be like 35 years, right? I stuck with her in that major specifically because she knew how to to work the system to make it work. Mm. And she understood how the politics of the university were. Now, I didn't know until I got into higher ed that being an advisor is a relatively new profession and still small liberal arts colleges makes sense rely on professors to be the advisors makes sense right and that's where the disconnect is and i think at that time in the early 2000s in the late 90s is when a lot of that transitioning started to happen so they're creating positions but no one to really fill them i think and that's where we got stuck and fucked over at riverside depending on your major right no i think everybody got fucked over i think engineering it, it was really if you didn't have an idea of what you were doing and didn't know where you wanted to go in industry you were pretty lost and that was me yeah. and a lot of my friends in the in the department really yeah it's surprising like there is no fucking structure there is no okay let's help you it's more along the lines of how can we get you to avoid academic difficulty mm-hmm. 
because we know it's so prevalent amongst first and second year engineers. Yeah. That was me. I was in academic difficulty like 75% of well, the time. Well, I mean, a 3.1 is an immaculate GPA for an engineering student. Yes, but I, I was nowhere near that. I know, but I, graduating, it, I was in uh, graduating my last two years. Yes, I was above that, but I was so low my first two years, which is fucked up because that's all the general ed courses right. and all that. But it's good you had an upper trend. This is off topic, but you know it's good you had an upper trend. I, obviously, why you you know were able to find or get into a master's program now and yeah. all that. But so the, the the key thing is the lack of guidance and the lack of exposure, and then the lack of understanding the role that college should be playing. And because we came into that time in, in early 2008, when people were just like, well, I guess I'll just tack on another degree since I can't find a job, that's completely fucked over the rest of our uh, social impact yeah. on, on the value that degrees have, right? And a lot of people don't know that, you know, what's the difference between a BA and a BS degree? For most institutions, it just means that in your, if you're doing a BS, you have more classes in your major or area of study for the BS, where the BA gives you less in your area of study and an option to do more right. outside, right? But what does that translate to in the in the real world? The BS is for people that plan to go into the field of study right after undergrad without going to a higher degree, which is why engineering is a BS degree. You would go straight into hmm. your field. Sociology. Once upon a time, that was really true, right? It's still relatively true for engineering. Okay. there's It's a little bit. It's, now it's a little bit better, but it was very hard 10 years ago, even well, up to about that two was, years ago. That was 2007, 2008, 10 years ago. Yeah, it, up up until about two years ago. Still pretty difficult. Mm, really? I didn't know that mm -hmm. for engineering. Because I, I guess it's, it's just different where my students are getting placed there. Anyway, for the BAs, for people that have a, you know, a broad educational experience and then want to focus in after they've gotten some worldly experience or work experience. And mm -hmm. then they get their master's degree become focus of that master's right. degree or professional school, MBA, doctor, lawyer, whatever the case is. Makes that's sense. That's the role it should have and was supposed to play. Now you have people coming out of undergrad that are doing these progressive master's degrees, uh, graduating in the same four-year span as an undergrad and have no relatively uh, significant experience to contribute to getting like a, the job that you should have at a master's degree level. Hmm. And that's kind of unfortunate because, the, again, the system has failed them. Mm -hmm. And the system has failed... And it's still failing people, and it sucks because education is really a strong point for the U.S. in in terms of universities and colleges. We have people coming from all over the world to attend our schools. The same cannot be said for the elementary and high school. And the high school is where I really have the sticking point because elementary that is, schools too. Yeah, you're you're right. Incredibly. Yeah, but I mean, elementary school is not so critical. Okay, I get it. it it's it, foundational. It, it is foundational. I w I was gonna get there, but. But the high school, I feel like course load is at high school level. Yeah, yeah, but look at the disconnect. High school, you're going from kid to adult. Okay, in the eyes of society, mm -hmm. you're able to be trusted a little bit more with the decisions that you make. But how are you supposed to make those decisions and plan if you can't find someone that can help you gain insight on how to actively plan for the next four to six years of your life? Mm -hmm. It's very fucking. It, it, it's such a leap of faith that these parents have in these college counselors. So much pressure that they don't realize that they, the rest of these kids' lives relies on your expertise, your ability to help them see into the future. Right. right. And yet, I think I think your your fear is is warranted in in many respects. But I lived it. Yeah. It's well, because you lived it. Yes. But by the time now that this this whole industry has been created and these types of jobs exist, where people spend their career doing exactly that, like teaching kids about. The fact that a degree does not make you employable. It's your experiences that matter. Right. Your degree can be in anything. God, right? I hope that's the discussion that's going on now. I, I really do. It's one of my discussions that I have. Especially, even though I'm a specialist, it's a discussion I have, especially with students that often decide to leave 
the pre-med path and, and go do off something and else. do something else. And it's just like, just because you leave the pre-med path right now doesn't mean you can't go to medical school later. And here we go. Right. There's a transition between college and career. And it, so you go from college and career and you might not have an idea of where you want to go, but you find a career that you can stick with and kind of tough it out and see where what direction it takes you. And that might open up a ton more doors. But the difficulty with that is you might actually be pushed away from something that you could like, right? And we're talking about the traditional career path here, uh, college to career. You could be pushed away from something that you could uh, eventually come to terms with or like or really be passionate about, but you might not have a good boss mm-hmm. that helps you get there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's happened to me a lot in my career too, where yeah. I could have had really good opportunities early on, but the leadership structures have been so shitty. And up until now, I, it could be argued that I still don't honestly know where I'm going, where I want to be. And that sucks because I feel like my whole life has just been this whole fucking weird kind of try and figure it out as you go thing. Whereas I think we could set ourselves up and each other up for so much more had we had good leaders that have insight, that have the ability to leverage information, that can see farther than the here and now and set you up for a greater success. Yet I feel like that's not happening, but that's what I do for my team. I really want them to be set up even like I mentioned in the story earlier, the older gentleman that is is part of my team, he comes to me all the time when we have these uh, development discussions. He's like, you know what, I'm I'm this isn't for me, but it is, but it is. Everybody wants to develop somewhere, mm-hmm. right? Let me help you figure that out, and that's a mindset. Mm-hmm. I can't develop any further than where I am right now. You get to that certain point in, in your life where that's it, you're stuck. Well, as we've been conditioned to think we are an old exactly. dog, can't do new tricks. Yeah. Yeah. And I've proven him wrong at every juncture and I love it because he's, he's <laughs> part of that not, is because you're an asshole and you like proving no, people not wrong. Even, <laughs> because it, people sell themselves short all the time. They don't give themselves enough credit. You could do anything you put your mind to, but you just need the right person that sees that potential and that can leverage that potential. I had, so many success stories in my career of turning people around from piece of shit employees. No offense to them, but I mean, come (laughs) on, look, you could be so much better at your job and you are such a good person that you could do a lot more. And I see that, but they just haven't had that help. That's all they need. College, high school, same thing. Yeah. But who's doing that for you? That's really the key. No one. And and you're still (laughs) stuck in that same space. Like you feel like you're, I feel like I should be that person. But I can't. You can get be past that, that. You can be that person. But wait, wait. Are you saying you should be the 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 one that has so much potential, or the one that should be telling people, okay, you can do more. The latter. Okay. So, but it, you can be that, but you still need to have someone that's looking out for you. That's yes, higher up, exactly. Right? And I don't have that yet. Yeah, that's one thing I wanted to point out. The other thing is, is I think it's very, it's a lot easier to be working towards a goal, even if it's you don't know what it's going to look like to know that that's what you're working towards. Like I'm blindly working towards law school. I'm blindly working towards medical school. You have no idea what that kind of career is really going to entail on a day to day other than what you have glamorized in your, in your mind as a fantasy. Right. But it's easier to work towards that or to be a teacher than to just like, I'm going to study what I want to study. I'm just going to see what my experiences kind of bring up, what I keep get drawn to and then see, make sense of it afterwards. You need someone that's going to knock you down a peg or two. What is, how does that make any sense to what I just said? Because you said it, you have this pristine picture in your head. You're glamorizing it. You need someone who's going to drop you back down to earth and say, you know what? This is not how it goes. This is this is the reality of the Well, matter. yes and no. Okay, I agree. I agree with that. 
you need someone that's going to let you know the realities of, of what you're getting yourself into if you decide to fully commit to that. But I think you also need someone to let you know it's okay to not exactly know where you're going to be, but trust in the process of you investing in yourself and in your interests and your skill sets that it's going to produce opportunity for you to, to use those. Because if we look at it back in 2007, how many people do we know that were social media managers? Right. Right. It didn't exist. Didn't exist. More jobs being created doesn't mean that more, more positions are available. It's actually new positions are being created because of new developments and, and new things are happening. A lot of unplanned, unplanned. things. Yeah. I mean, that's how life is. You know, a lot of these industries didn't exist uh, 10 years ago. Yeah. And now we have big social media companies, internet companies, uh, companies that are leveraging different ways to farm data and give more insights onto the future of where we're going in terms of our social um or online endeavors, I yeah. guess, right? So I, I was having coffee with a friend, um, and it was like a few months ago, and we were talking about our college experiences. And he he had a very difficult college experience. He went to a predominantly white school. Okay, so have you seen Dear White People? Oh, yeah. So I'm on episode like six, I want to say. Okay, so he went to that school. Really? Yeah. Uh, it, what, what was it? Um, it's based off of Chapman University. Chapman. Yes, yeah. I looked it up. So yeah, he I was curious. He actually went to Chapman um and you know, he had a very shitty experience, but he figured it out. He was first gen as well. And we were talking about it and I asked him, like, do you feel like you should be involved with either students there or any other students from like our community to like help help guide them through? And he's like, I don't feel any need because of how many how much I was shitted on coming up and, and how many people try to put me down from becoming what I am today. I don't have the desire to want to Get back to the community. That. I I don't either. I understand where he's coming from, and it's a it's a jaded experience. It's a millennial mentality. Well, I mean, he is a millennial, but at the same time, we I, don't have to be. Sorry, we don't have to be the people that they want us to be. Huh? Uh, huh? Uh, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Go on. In theory, I disagree with him. In practice, I'm doing the exact same thing. Yeah, that's what I was getting at, and and it, it just really made me think about what am I really doing? I am not. I mean, yeah, my job allows me to be in a mentoring role, and I and I am like the 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 the, the, the advising for like a lot of organizations on campus, that are you know helping kids and and whatnot. But in my personal life and, and working with students, like I'm I'm falling short on that goal of wanting to be in a mentoring role. But I think part of it is I'm not putting myself in that position because I feel like you can't be a good mentor if you don't have a mentor yourself. And I feel like I do lack the fact that I don't have a solid mentor. I have a mentor like mm. in, for education and educational purposes, but for other stuff I do, uh, I don't have a mentor I don't, like that. I, that's not true. Everybody has a different experience, right, with mentors and all that. But in my experience, I take a look at what leaders lack. And I take a hard look at myself and ask, I ask myself, what do I lack? And I try and close the gap and I become what I want to be, right? What I think I, a good leader should be. And I don't just decide on my own. I listen to other people's feedback of their superiors, right? And I say, okay, well, I, I can see where they're coming from, right? But I don't just take one person's opinion. Again, I kind of crowdsource this and I get a good feel for an average of okay, well, what are these people so upset about with their boss or what are they not getting in their careers that they need? And throughout my life, I've been doing this. Even as a parent, you know, I did it with my parents. And I look back at the experiences that I had with my parents. I'm like, okay, well, what did they do that I necessarily didn't agree with so I don't make the same mistakes again? I feel like a good leader, a good mentor, anybody that's in a, some kind of an advisory role should have that insight. 
And you don't necessarily need to have a good mentor in order to gain that insight, but it sure would help, right? It would sure that's to speed up the process. That's the key thing. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's right. not that you need it, but it instead of making 20 mistakes along the way, you can cut that down to three. But I feel like the mistakes that you make along the way give you a little bit more validity, right? They make you a little bit more credible. Yes and no, but it doesn't mean you're not going to make mistakes. They're just going to be different and more complex mistakes, yeah. which will you know, propel you for a lot faster. So instead of being here, we could be five years from now, now. Right, right? and trying we to figure that out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's true. I mean, I, I often kind of reflect um, on those circumstances and say, okay, well, where would I have been had I had better mentorships, you know? The thing is- Not to I, say that I don't know. I think, I think where you and my friend kind of parallel is he has the belief that if you want it bad enough- you're going to figure it out. You know what I mean? And that's, it's not to slight anybody, but I think it's absolutely true. Because if you don't want it that bad, you'll be sticking with it regardless, rain or shine, right? Shitty experience or not, you're going to stick it through to get to where you know it's what it's supposed to look like for you. And here's the thing, to piggyback off that, I've seen so many shitty leaders destroy people's hopes and really just frustrate enough people to where they fall out of love with what they're doing, even though that's, you know, really what they like doing Mm -hmm. that. I don't ever want to, I don't want that to happen to anybody that I lead. And I want to make sure I'm very sensitive to these things. And I guess that comes with the fact that I've seen a lot of poor leadership and that makes me a better leader as, as a result. Same kind of concept. I've learned a lot from, my family in the steps that they took or didn't take and how it, you know, what results it produced for them. Yeah. And I learned to move accordingly and not to say everything's gone according to plan or how I thought it would turn out. It gave you a roadmap of what not to do. Exactly. And by figuring out what not to do, you figured out what to do. Now you might not have figured it out all the way, right. which is fair. I don't think any of us have at this age, right? Mm-hmm. But I feel like, and this is kind of the point I wanted to make earlier, uh, comparing my 20s to my 30s, I'm a lot more resolute in my decision-making now than I was back then because I think I know a lot more of what's out there now and I'm able to make a better decision now mm-hmm. than I was before. And the one thing that I've noticed that helps is exposure to different people with different backgrounds, different points of view, different mindsets, mm-hmm. and not discriminating who I speak with and just taking the experiences as they come and making of them whatever I want to. But it's important to have that experience in order to be able to make a determination on whether or not that experience jives with my ideals or not. And that is the most insight that I've been able to gain on my current situation. And I, I obviously it's going to keep developing and it's going to become more robust. But I feel as if for me, aggregating those different experiences and understanding how they fit into the puzzle that has become my life is critical in understanding my future. So I think the question now is accepting the fact that it's not going according to plan or may never go according to plan. Are we doing enough to pass that message along to let them know it's okay if it's not going according to plan and just keep going with it? And them being future generations. Future generations, whether it be you know your children or younger cousins, nieces, nephews, or just people that you see yourself in. I feel like if we all help, we all benefit. As a society, as a world, if we don't give future generations this knowledge and this insight, I think we're pretty fucked. Yeah. 
I think they're going to be pretty, I mean, I don't underestimate their will and their capacity to endure. You know, that's actually a trait that is, has yet to really surface, but in generational trends, the, the, I forget what they are, but you have the, the, the inward and then you have the outward and our generation falls in the outward, um, Mm. of how they, they propel in a societal factor. And right now you see a lot of millennials being known for the fact of wanting to have a social movement, social cause. But I think they can have that social movement coupled with the mentorship. And I think we have to be the ones that initiate that because we're the, you know, on the forefront of this generation. We have to start that. Yeah. So I think that'd be interesting to have like a little tab on our site to like people that are, you know, in what industry and are willing to connect with the younger people that are trying to get into industry. Whatever it sounds is. dirty. Wow. Sounds like we're doing like you know, funneling child child fantasies. Um, <laughs> so we have to keep asking ourselves every day, being mindful about what we're doing, and are we giving enough to the people in our lives that rely on us for insight or help or answers? Can we do more? Is there something that can be done differently? And maybe it's time now at this junction in our life to take a hard look inside and say, you know, what could we do differently? How can we plan better? Even though we can't necessarily plan, how can we plan better? And maybe the failure, our inability to plan, I shouldn't say failure to plan, but our inability to plan centers around the fact that we're not planning correctly Mm. for the right things. There you go. Well, if you'd like to commiserate with Turg on having shitty experiences with mentors, you can find him at... <laughs> wow. It's not that bad. <laughs> Shit. Makes me sound fucking hopeless. It's like Alexander Hamilton. How come no one wants you on their staff? <laughs> at Turk says no. <laughs> and you can find Randy at I am Randy Z anywhere and everywhere. You don't give them anything they want talking about. That's it. You just find me. Okay, just we found them. them. That's it. You don't need to talk to them. Just find them and stalk them. He's <laughs> not gonna help you. You can't even figure this shit out. You're fucked. He's in your life. Just run the other way. Randy's unique. Oh fuck this guy. Oh shit. <laughs> Thank you for subscribing to another episode of Talk Thirty Day. We hope you enjoy it and continue to share it with friends. Make sure you stop by our website at talk30to.me.com for more content and information about the podcast. Rate us on iTunes, and if you really like what you hear, make sure you hit that donate button. Really appreciate it. For Talk 30 to Me, I'm Turk. And I'm Randy Z. Peace. I, I thought my segment was perfectly fine. Well, yours was terrible then. Mine was exactly really good. the same, except the point of the stories was, uh, yeah, this is what we're talking about today, guys. That's what I do. No, you that's don't not, do that. That's not what you do. You do this long-winded explanation of what we're talking about. Fine. That's, that's in the, a nutshell, that's what I do. Don't do that. No, doing that, I think, is okay in 10 seconds. Doing it in a minute and a half, that's just not okay. So then I can choose the, the entire origin of your kind of Yeah. Sad. Because it's no, a time I, issue. But I, I actually I actually agree. But you're, I, I think, think you're, I think you're right. with it. You think we should or we shouldn't? We should not be deliberate with it. Okay. Okay.
was, it was talk to a lot of people and figure out what they have to say because in the end they're going to help you figure out what you're going to do are they though because you as you're talking to them are going through a process of self-discovery mm. it's the alchemist basically yeah discovering your personal journey and the, or your personal legend through the eyes of someone else or through the experiences of someone else yeah and i mean the people I, I work with i mean it's incredible to hear the people that they've interacted with and the stories that they have to share and the insight that they can provide you without knowing that they're actually giving you the answers to some things that you might be searching for yourself Cutting. Yeah. That's that's not gonna be in there. This whole last part we just did? Yeah.